Um, my name is Helen Kim Nowak. I'm pastor of Community Life here at New Life. And we have been on a Lenten journey. We've just started last week looking at the book of Jonah. And Jonah is such an interesting prophet, right? He receives a word from God, but instead of going to deliver it, he runs the other way. So he's not the typical prophet, but we have to keep in mind that the people that God was calling Jonah to was kind of like being called to Nazi Germany. Assyria was an evil empire. They raped, they pillaged. I doubt that any of us would eagerly just march right in and say, yeah, no problem. Right? So when we think about Jonah resisting God, let's give a little bit of context and grace that, wow, that was not an easy decision and not an easy call. And so Jonah runs, and so we're going to pick up the story after he has run. He's gone on a boat trying to flee the presence of God. God chases after him, pinning him with a storm. And so Jonah ends up being thrown over the side of the boat to stop the storm. The story doesn't end there. A big fish comes along, swallows Jonah, and he's in there three days and three nights. And the text we're going to look at is a prayer that he prays in that belly of the fish. So let's take a look at this passage. It's from Jonah 2, verses 1 through 6. It says this, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, recognizing that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for your word, um, and we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you come, meet us where we are. You know where every person in this room is coming from. And so would you help us encounter you through the life of Jonah today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So today, as we look at this prayer, we're going to be focusing on how much God's grace is all over the story of Jonah, and this prayer helps us to really see a deeper picture of God's grace. God's grace is everywhere that we look. You know, the fact that there's a fish that came along right when he could have just drowned and died, the end of Jonah. There's a fish that comes along. And this picture, there's a car blocking the driveway, guys. <laughs> this picture, that um, if we can put up that picture of the fish, you know, picture the context of where this prayer is being prayed from. He's inside the guts of a fish, cramped quarters, um, water is probably everywhere, it's not comfortable, it's going to be a really not great space to be in. And this prayer is emerging from a place that is not easy to be in and that Jonah finds himself stuck in. And so the first thing about God's grace that we see from this prayer and the scenario is that God's grace is found in hopeless places. Jonah prays, but when he first gets the word, he doesn't pray. 
when he runs from God and jumps on that boat, he doesn't pray. The storm comes, Jonah still doesn't pray. The captain of the ship tries to wake him and say, call out to your God. And still, Jonah doesn't pray. And when the captain's afraid, you know, you should be afraid, <laughs> right? You don't want to get on a boat where the captain becomes afraid. You know, maybe the crew, but not the captain. And so even then, Jonah doesn't pray, and the storm is just getting worse and worse. Still, Jonah doesn't pray. He gets thrown over the side of the boat because that's what he said would solve the problem, and he's right. He falls into the water. He's still not praying as he's falling, going, Lord, help. But then a fish comes along, and it's in the belly of that fish that finally Jonah prays, in a place where there's no more resource. At least on the boat, he could have said, please, Lord. And it could have stopped. Maybe the story could have ended there. Right? But it's when he's in a place where he's stuck, and there's no other options. And so God's grace can be found in hopeless places. And you may find yourself right now in something that seems hopeless. You may be in a situation that there is no way out of this. How can anything emerge? What exit plan is there from the situation I'm in? But God's grace can be found there as we look at this prayer. And so there's a saying that's often said in the church. If you've been around the church long enough, you may hear, we never know Jesus is all we need until... Jesus is all we have. And so it becomes like this thing we say, right? Like we never know Jesus is all we need until he's all we have. But the thing is, that statement is true. Until Jesus is all we have, if we have all these other resources and maybe we could try this, we can try money, we can try this job, we don't know that Jesus is really all we need. And so stuck places, dead ends, hopeless places, become places where we realize this truth that Jesus really is all we need. And in this prayer, something we can learn is that in this hopeless place, prayer is not limited by location. You might be in a stuck place. You may have made choice after choice after choice to get to a place where you are just in darkness. But it's not limited, limited by where you are. It's not limited by your personal history. Jonah had just rebelled, right? He's just running from God, resisting God, refusing to talk to God, trying to get out of this, and still prayer can be said. And we know that God hears that prayer because we know how the story ends. Jonah doesn't die, by the way, guys, <laughs> in case you didn't know. Sorry to like, ruin the ending there. Um, but it's not limited by your personal history, not by your location. And so in prayer, what's important is not where you pray from, but who you pray to. And that's grace. The fact that we have someone in a hopeless place that we can pray to and call out to who understands and who can do something about it. This God was the one that Jonah said, it, he rules over the oceans, creation, the mountains, right? He knew who kind, what kind of God he was. And so prayer, the important thing about prayer is not the words you say so much as knowing who you're praying to. We pray to one who can deal with hopeless places. The second thing about grace is that God's grace is active, not passive. God refuses to just sit back and go, Jonah's running. Hmm. Sex for him. <laughs> Next. <laughs> you know, but... I think about parents, you know, I've come across parent after parent, and some parents, you know, their kids are growing up, and sometimes their kids make choices that really hurt the parent's heart, 
and they persist in doing things that are harmful to them, perhaps, whatever it is, but the tenacity of some of these parents that I listen to, of just sitting, praying year after year, crying tears, night after night, watching harm come to their child sometimes, and just hanging in there. That heart of the parent, God has that kind of heart. He's not passive. He doesn't sit back. If our human heart can do that, hang in there with our children in dark places, how much more God? And our God's grace is active. God actively pursues Jonah as he runs with a storm. He actively comes after him when he tries to get out of that by jumping in the water with a fish. And so this place is a beautiful place because it's God's grace, a sign of God's grace. The fact that he's in the fish is a sign of God's grace. Something I want to touch on here, which is a question that can easily come up when we look at the story of Jonah, is does that mean that every time we hit a tough place, every time we hit bottom, a dead end, something hard and broken and sometimes evil and ugly, is it because God put us there? And in this case, there are times when God actively pursues us and puts us in hard places to help us learn something. And in this case, it is true. God actively pursued with a storm. That's why he ended up in the water and came with the fish. But there are other times where God is just, he has allowed it to happen because God is in all things. There's nothing he is not Lord over. There's nothing that goes by that he does not see. And so there's times when there's really tough things that happen in our lives, pain that we experience, years and years of loss that we experience and grief, that it's not because God put them actively there, but he has allowed them to happen. To say otherwise would discount God's goodness or God's power. And we never want to do that. This is the mystery of the problem of evil. You know, why are bad things happening to good people? There's nothing, though, that is out of God's sight. And in all things, God can still bring good out of it, even when he allows it. And so that's just something I want to share, because sometimes we look at and go, so if I'm in this hard place, God chased after me? That seems really evil. God is always good, and he is always the one ultimately in control. And so it's important to know that we are not just victims passively sitting by because God didn't care or God didn't see. God pursues Jonah because, you know, for him, it was something he wanted him to learn. He actively pursues him. The third thing about God's grace is that God's grace hears. It's an interesting thing about Jonah's prayer. You know, it's being prayed, you know, it's in the fish and he's starting to pray. But everything that he says is in the past tense. He begins a prayer and he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. He's not out of the fish yet. <laughs> Deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. It's all in the past tense. It's such a weird way to pray, right? And it's not often perhaps how I pray or how you may pray, but there's something to prayer in this that we can learn which is that we pray in a way that looks at who God has been in history and we call out in faith what he will do even though it is not yet. We are people who walk by faith, not by sight. And so we pray the Psalms often that way, go that way. As we pray the words of the Psalms, it's often God has delivered me and you know, he will accomplish this. He'll take me out into a spacious place 
And we're not there yet, but the psalm after psalm declares what God will do when not yet because they are looking at who is being prayed to. And they know that this God has proven himself and he is able because he is Lord to do it again and again. And so when we pray, there's something to learn from Jonah declaring what God will do because of his character. The other interesting thing about this prayer is that this is being prayed underwater. So how did this prayer sound? <laughs> I think of, you know, Pixar or something, you know. Jonah's in this belly of the whale. He's in deep distress. Water is swirling all around him. Like he's just getting splashed, splashed with water. And how does he pray? You know, so it is being prayed. And I just picture him underwater and just like, as the air bubbles keep coming out. And the prayer looks pretty much like air bubbles after air bubbles. And so it's a voiceless prayer, but God responds. And so we know that God hears voiceless prayers. And often when we are in a hard place, when we are just so hurt and broken, there are just no words. You know, when my mom passed away when I was 15, just no words. When I saw her in deep depression, when I felt experienced depression, no words. Sometimes all I can do is cry out in my heart without words, just like, help. I need you, God. And God hears those prayers, voiceless prayers. All of this was voiceless, soundless, but God heard them. And so we know that God's grace, God is gracious in that he hears and pays attention even when it's not verbalized. He is so attentive. The other thing about this prayer that's so interesting is that Jonah received a word from God and he didn't hear. <laughs> Jonah spoke to Jonah and God spoke to Jonah and he turned and he said, no. <laughs> and he walked away. And in the Bible, hearing is often about responding. There's some sort of interaction that shows you heard, you obey. Right? So Jonah did not hear. And yet, in deep distress, here's Jonah in the whale. He says, Lord. And he has total total utter confidence that God will hear him. The man who did not hear God and did not listen to God fully knows that God will hear him. And isn't that with all of us? You know, how often do we miss God's prayer, you know, God's words to us, and yet we have the audacity to say, but Lord, I don't know what you just said, but Lord, you know, I need this and I need help. <laughs> you know, and that's the grace of God. He doesn't look at our history of, well, you know, you've been listening really well. So this one, I, I heard you. And you, you never listen to me. I don't know what you're saying. But no matter what our history is with God, God is so attentive. He hears you. Whatever you've been praying in the cries of your heart, he hears every single prayer. It's dumbfounding that God listens to someone who doesn't even listen to him. God is a better listener than we are. The fourth thing is that God's grace brings us out of death into life. As we get towards the end of the prayer, there's imagery of heading to the grave. It says, to the roots, um, the engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. It's a picture of a shroud heading into the grave. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. 
The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. And Jonah is heading, heading to a place of death, no return. But he calls out to God because he knows that the one person who can do this is the living God. God alone can bring life out of death. And he does. We know that as the story continues, the fish comes up, vomits out Jonah back to land, and he continues his life. Who else can do this except God? And so Jonah finds himself in this deep pit, largely because of his choices. Sometimes we find ourselves in a deep pit because God allows certain things to happen in our lives. But in either case, we don't make that choice unless it's to choose to turn away. But there is one that was not rescued from death and the pit. And there is one that turned towards the pit and headed into it. He chose the pit. And that's Jesus. Jesus saw us all in that pit. And he came willingly to earth to come after us into that pit, to give up his very life so that we can get out into life. Grace, so much grace. God hears us, our cries, and who are we? We're nobody. Dust, going back to dust. And yet this mighty God hears our cry, comes, takes on human flesh, and dies for us. God is not only the God who can give life, he dies so that he can give life. And so today, know that wherever you find yourself, there's no, nothing that Jesus cannot understand. He's the forerunner of our faith. And Jesus never allows anyone to go through anything that he himself has not experienced. Any pain that you have experienced, any abandonment, Jesus knows the worst of the worst of the worst. He has been broken. He has been humiliated. Jesus is a savior who understands. He doesn't heal from afar. He is up close in the pit with us. He's with you in that pit to bring life out of it. So my question to you is, is there a death that you're facing, a dead end, somewhere where you feel like there's no way life can come out of this? It has been years. Give it to God. God alone can bring life out of death. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. And every one of us who follow Jesus can say, you did that. In summary, I want to share these four points again, just to review them. God's grace is found in hopeless places. There's no place that God can't meet you with grace to cover you, to enter into it with you. 24-7, there's no place that God's grace doesn't reach. God's grace is active, not passive. He doesn't just sit back and watch what happens to you. He's actively engaged. And what's so incredible about this is that God is almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. He's sovereign and yet he sees you, and he comes for you. He's actively pursuing you. Who are we? And yet the living God runs after and goes after us. It's such a beautiful and amazing thing. God's grace is active. God's grace hears. He hears even the prayers you cannot articulate. And God's grace brings us out of death 
into life. He wastes nothing. If he allows something to happen in your life that is really hard, he will not waste it. He will bring life out of it in incredible, unexpected ways. To close, I want to share this quote from Elizabeth Elliot, who was no stranger to suffering. Her husband, a lot of you may know her story, her husband Jim was a missionary, and he was murdered by the people in Ecuador moments after he came to share the gospel. There were people that were an unreached people group, never had heard about Jesus, so he and his friends had gone to share the gospel with him. But they were murdered shortly after. Elizabeth went back with her daughter two years for two years to be with these tribe members, the same ones who had killed her husband. And the gospel was able to spread. She spent years in South America, and people came to know Christ. Her second husband, she remarried. She lost to cancer. And so this woman has written quite a bit on suffering because she knows what it's like to be in pain and to suffer. And so she has written this in her book, These strange ashes. She said, to God, nothing is finally lost. All the scriptural metaphors about the death of the seed that falls into the ground, about losing one's life, about becoming the least in the kingdom, about the world's passing away, all these go on to something unspeakably better and more glorious. Loss and death are only the preludes to gain and life. The pit is something we will all find ourselves in, in the human journey. We're going to find ourselves at some dead end. And it's not something to avoid. It's actually a gift. Because it's only when Jesus is all we have that we realize Jesus is all we need. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. You are king of kings and lord of lords. And yet you run after that one sheep. Lord, you see each of our pain, Lord, so individually. You know us by name, God. And so, Lord, we come before you. You know all the stories in this room, the things that we are carrying, the pits that we are in, God. And, Lord, we recognize that you alone, Lord, are the one who is able to find us in these places and meet us and hear us and do something about it. You bring life out of the pit. And so God, we give you our lives and we thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice today. Thank you for coming after us and entering the pit to rescue us and to give us life. We give you thanks and praise for your extravagant grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to receive communion together. One of the more beautiful, perhaps the most beautiful place where God's grace is found is at the table of communion. And we're going to receive communion together. You know, Christianity is not about, at its core, our disciplined pursuit of God. Christianity is about God's disciplined pursuit of us. That God keeps coming after us to pour out grace, to pour out love, to pour out mercy. And so as you just get the element just in your hand and 
as we prepare to receive it, I want to give us a moment of our own repentance before the Lord. We're in the season of Lent. Lent is an opportunity for confession and repentance, to turn our hearts before God, to recognize the God who is always coming after us and to respond to him. And before we pray our prayer of confession, I want to invite you just to close your eyes for a moment and offer your own repentance. Where haven't you been listening? Where have you turned away? Where have you strayed? Maybe you've been so busy and distracted and today is an opportunity to turn back to our Lord. Let's pause for a moment and then we'll pray a prayer of confession together. Let's pray this prayer of confession we have on the screen. Let's pray it together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, and deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me as the people of God forgiven by the broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's all receive together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. As the people of God, freely forgiven by the poured out blood of Jesus Christ, let's all receive together. Lord, thank you for the gift of your life, your self-giving love, your sacrificial love, the love that goes into the pit on our behalf. A 
love that forgives us and pours out grace and mercy over us. We thank you for the gift of the Lord's table. We thank you that we're able to come not in our name, but in your name. Not in our works, but in your work. Not in our righteousness, but in your righteousness. And we give you praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. It's a beautiful story, the story of Jonah. I want to invite the prayer team to come to my right. And what I love about this part of the story in particular is Jonah being swallowed by a fish teaches us that situations that often look and feel like death oftentimes is God rescuing us. From the outside, could you imagine the sailors on the outside? They threw the poor guy over the side of the boat and they see a fish coming and swallowing him. Like, this is bad. Like, oh, no. And yet something that looks like death is actually God's rescue. And for some of us, what looks like a dead end, what looks like the end of the story, what looks like pain and misery, God knows how to work through all of that. And so you came into church today, some of you, some of you watching online, you're, you came and you're worshiping with us and it just seems as if there's nothing promising, there's no hope, but Christians are people of hope. Christians are people of resurrection. People are, Christians are people of renewal. Christians are people that confess that death has no power over us because it has no power over our Lord. And we are in our Lord, and because we're in him, it has no power over us. We have our prayer team to my right, and I imagine some of you are in situations right now where it feels like a dead end, as Pastor Helen mentioned. And you need prayer. You need someone to lay hands on your shoulders to remind you that you're not alone, that God is with you, that God can bring life out of death. And so for whatever needs you have, whatever struggle you're carrying, whatever depression that you might be struggling with, we want to pray for you. In addition to that, at the end of our service, for those of you watching online, we'll have a sermon discussion time. And so if you want to just talk through some of these uh, uh, principles and wonderful truths that Pastor Helen brought out to us today, uh, feel free to click on the link that you see on the screen there. Uh, we would love to connect with you in that space. And then lastly, let me say this. Some of you, maybe you came to church today, maybe you are, you're watching online and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to for receive forgiveness of sins and grace and mercy. And there's something that's been coming alive in your heart, maybe in recent days. And if you want to make a decision to follow Christ or to take the next step in that direction, there are two things you can do. You can come up for prayer, and one of our team members would love to help you along your journey. You could also text the phrase, yes to Jesus, uh, at that number there, 718-424-0122. One of our pastors would love to follow up with you 
to help you take the next step in your journey. Let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you're new to our church, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life. And at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs. And I'd love to meet you, especially if this is your first time here. And so please approach me before you head out of this building. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that God can bring life out of death. Knowing that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Knowing that God can bring joy and peace and mercy and grace to a situation that seems hopeless and lifeless. May you walk out of this gathering and out of this uh, building in the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that God is with you, that God loves you, that God sees you, that God hears you, and that God's grace is new every single morning. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the healing name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.